What's going on? This is Jailus from Nick of Time Show here giving you that Knicks talk just in the nick of time. And it's time for the Knicks weekly review show with some special guests today. But of course, I have the usual, the faithful, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G is in the building. Damn right he's in the building. All right. <laughs> And of course, if if you follow KOT throughout its journey, you know this man. Honorary KOT member. He might as well have a black hat. <laughs> I need one. <laughs> you gotta one. get me one. It, I need one. It's dropping. It's, it, it's coming out. Trust me. Trust me. All right, man. <laughs> <laughs> but another legend is on right. He does. He has a very successful YouTube channel with his mom, Trey. It's Terry from Terry and Trey. What's going on, my man? What's up? Happy to be on. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Congrats on 5K. That's what's up. Killing it on YouTube. Uh, Big season ahead. So I know we got a lot to talk about. Yes, we do, man. And congrats on 5K yourself, man. Yeah, we got got (laughs) the 5K brothers. I love it. Exactly. 5K club, man. (laughs) Definitely follow this guy. Really insightful. Really insightful. Enjoyed the the video uh, that y'all did on DSJ. Underrated video. Underrated. Underrated. You know what? We, we did a video on his shooting, you know, looking at the form. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, we've been talking about DJ today a little bit, but um, he, his, shot, his shot is better. That's all it I can say. I don't really trust DSJ as a player long term at all, yeah. but you can see <laughs> that his shot is it's it's better than last year. And after last year, you know, anything would be better, really. Exactly. I feel you. <laughs> but we're going to get back to that guy. But let's start off with what everybody wants to talk about, right? We, we and I'm gonna just I'm gonna just throw this out there in general, in general, <laughs> right? We we seen what's going on in Nick's Lance. What has caught your eye? What can you say has worked so far for the New York Knicks? Uh, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll let Terry. I'll let Terry start that off right there. It's it, it's the man of the moment, Emmanuel Quickly. I never no thought you were gonna say. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> who, who else? Listen, you know what's crazy? I can't remember the last time the entire Nick fan base was just unified in their praise of one player. Even RJ had his detractors who didn't like that. Yeah, you know, the jump shot was iffy, the free throws, whatever. Even Mitch, all these years, Knox, Frank, yo, you know the Frank debate. Oh yeah, IQ. Even even Jeremy Lin, even Melo. Like I, I'm going back, right? Uh, like maybe KP, early KP was probably the last time everyone was just on board with someone, mm-hmm. but quickly has come in and taken it quickly. There are going to be so many bad IQ oh, yeah. puns. I know. I'm going to say them too. <laughs> uh, how, how, how this guy got IQ as a nickname, initials, and quickly as a last name. You got puns on, on both ends. This guy's been killing it. But his energy from the jump has been good. Before you saw him play, mm. you liked his vibe. You liked the energy he was bringing, his interview, everything yes. about him. You learn about his play style because he's not a guy that we were talking about that much before, right? No. And I remember mm-hmm. you know, we had the draft. We drafted the Argentinian guy, I think, Abomaro. Yeah. And then immediately we do the trade. And I remember if you watch like our live dra- uh, draft show, you know, we draft Bomaro. And I was like, ah, just because I'm thinking we're not going to use him, we're probably going to stash right. him abroad or whatever. Then I see the trade, and I'm like, all right, let me see. Okay, he shoots. He can shoot. And all of a sudden, the joy comes in. And, you know, we have all these projections of what he could be. We're excited. Everyone's just tossing scenarios around. Well, like, this is a point guard who can shoot and defend. We've not had that. You know, Frank can defend, but he can't really shoot. No one else can shoot. 
So you've been wondering, how can we get this mix? Yeah. You wonder what you can do. And then he hits the court and he's exactly what you hoped. And then you think to yourself as Nick fans, when was the last time? You know, we spent four years now in this deep rebuild, kind of trying to figure out these young guys, what they can be. Can they do this? Can they do that? Last mm-hmm. time a rookie comes out, and, I, and don't get me wrong, respect to RJ, he definitely had a solid year. But you know what I mean? Yes. Quickly comes in, and he's doing what you hoped he would do at like the high level. Now, it's been two games. I know this hype is out of control right now. Yes, <laughs> I think the hype really speaks to just what we've had to deal with at the PG position, especially yes. in terms of a modern offense, being able to shoot. He completely breaks the Cavs zone in the first five minutes. Of this <laughs> zone game. breaker. I just did video on that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I was like pinching myself because the last time I just remember like feeling like, oh, we got one of them ones was really that year KP, the 2017 season yeah. when he just started off. And I was at the Garden for like six of those 10 games. And it was just like you were looking around like, yo, this guy is this good. And that's what it felt like watching quickly in that last preseason game on with everyone on Twitter. It just felt like, whoa, wait a minute. This dude is doing everything we want. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. where can this go? So I don't want to go too crazy because I know the last few days it's just been pandemonium. Yeah. It's like a little insanity again. Uh, <laughs> it, it's good to get a guy like this who seems to know what he's doing, seems to have the swagger and confidence from the jump to hop in there and do the right things. And not just that, he fits the role. Mm-hmm. And not just the role, his skill set specifically fits. Dude. Everything we've been lacking. And it's hard to find guys like that, man. Like, they don't just do the right thing off the court or the right demeanor. It's like literally on the court, he's a guy who's going to shoot. He's going to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're set up right offensively and he's aggressive enough at the point guard position. So, IQ, he's the talk of the town. I'm I'm just, listen, we've been looking for a point guard that can pass, shoot, and play defense for how many years? And now when you say it out loud, it sounds really simple. But it's been harder <laughs> for us <laughs> than anybody. To the point where I'm looking at Lonzo Ball like, okay, he's shooting up better. He can play defense. He can pass. Let's give it a try. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> nope. Not anymore. That is Not done. anymore. <laughs> that is done. And, and not only that, you hear about his work ethic. You hear that he has this Kawhi-like work ethic. And, and when you hear stuff like that, you just start to think, if this guy ends up being an actual starter and a leader for this group, those are the type of guys you want to lead. You want the guys who's going to have the, the crazy work ethic because – then no one else on your team has any excuse to slack off. So, so I'm I I hope just for the the culture of the team because we always talking about the culture, right? Just for the culture of the team, I just hope that he ends up being the starting point guard of the New York Knicks. And, and you know, beyond just the shooting, because you know no one else can shoot, and the other guys can't play make as good, and you know, Elf can play it a little bit, but he only passes Julius Randle. But beyond that, I just feel like he's just going to uplift this whole team and bring everybody up to a certain standard that we've been missing for so many years from the point guard position. And I'm sorry, we took all the air and all the points probably for you, Ryan, but if you have anything left to say. (laughs) Well, I'll say this, like, I've been impressed quickly, especially off the pick and roll. He's definitely, um, he definitely knows what to do off the pick and roll, and he definitely took advantage, you know, throwing up lobs to Mitch and making the right passes and things of that nature. So I've been, so I've been impressed with him from that standpoint, and also, um, I kind of have a theory about what went, what went down draft night because now that I look at it, I'm like, 
if you look at quickly when he played for Kentucky, he wasn't the main ball handler. Exactly. He was playing off ball. Mm-hmm. So now you know the Knicks had the eighth pick. They couldn't get the point guard that they wanted, you know, because Toppin just happened to fall to them. So they picked Toppin. So now you have Kenny Payne there who, you know, he's seen these guys at Kentucky. He probably knew of quickly knowing knowing that, you know what, maybe he doesn't play point guard for Kentucky, but he has point guard-like skills and, and, and the Knicks needed a point guard. So maybe he whispered in, you know, the Knicks' ear or whatnot to draft quickly. And now that's how quickly he's come to the squad. And, now, you know, they play him at point guard. And now you see that, okay, he's more than just a shooting guard. He can also play the point as well. So... That's a good point. Of, 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 overall, I've been very impressive quickly. I love the memes on... IG that I've seen, you know, they're, they're already raising his jersey up to the Raptors. <laughs> they're going in. They're going like in. That. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been very impressed with Quickly. Like, to me, he's like the the real standout of the preseason for the Knicks. Absolutely. I, I'm hoping we have, we have a game coming Wednesday. I hope it stays on track. Um, I hope he starts. We'll get into the starting conversation a little bit later. But yeah, I, I just want to address one thing you brought up that I love, right? The whole Kentucky connection. Mm-hmm. And you see this happen all the time. I think people forget sometimes that basketball is the base birth. The NBA is a very different level of, like, not even level, a very different version of basketball, especially in 2020 compared to FIBA, compared to college, right? It, the basketball that you learn, if you're a kid, you're learning to play basketball. It's not what they play in the NBA now. The NBA is now crazy offensive. It's a lot more fluid. And I could see a guy like quickly, you know, he's off ball in college, but there are these guys in college. You see it happen all the time, right? They're in college in a strict program. The college game is much more defensive, a lot more passing, a lot more team oriented. Mm-hmm. So maybe in college, they're not shining as much, right? The opportunities yeah, exactly. are limited or maybe it's play style. Sometimes those college coaches want to drill in discipline in you. They don't want you yeah, out true. here shooting, going crazy, right? The kind of stuff. I mean, Steph Curry was going crazy in college. He kind of broke out of that. But most of the guys that you see now in the NBA taking these pull-up threes from 40 feet, you were doing that in college, you're getting benched no matter how big exactly. you are. And in Kentucky, so, that's even more so true, it seems like. Exactly. So you saw Devin Booker, right? I think Devin Booker was seen number 13. Mm-hmm. There these and comes into the NBA clearly a much higher level talent than that. So I think your point is spot on because Kenny Payne sees this guy, mm-hmm. knows what he can do, and probably knows as well. Get this guy in the NBA today, which is just crazy offensive. It's not the NBA of 2004 or the 90s at all anymore. It's a different game. And he would probably succeed more. Not to say he wasn't good in college. Obviously, you know, he was solid. But he's yeah. one of those guys where, you know, he wasn't on anyone's radar in the top 10. Yeah, right. And right mm-hmm. now, it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, because absolutely. Because more hype about him than Obi going into the season. And there's a chance that, I think people kind of feel like he's probably going to hit the ground running even more so than Obi. And Obi was supposed to be the really prepared rookie. So it's crazy how like, you know, it, it's so many systems, so many little things going to play. Um, and IQ, we may have got, may have got one of them ones. That's how I'm going to tell myself. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Uh, one of them ones. <laughs> now, he may hit the ground running depending on what happens because at the same time, you're looking at, we still have Elva Brayton here. We still have DSJ here. We still have Austin Rivers who's yet to suit up. So we really don't know if if what the politics and situations are. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. We don't know how invested the Knicks are in DSJ at, the, at this point. Are they going to try to play him to raise his vial to move him? Because, you know, at some point last year, they were trying to move him. And is that going to get away of quickly, quickly getting acclimated to the playing time? You see what I did there? I know it's going to be a lot of corny stuff like that for the whole year. I'm sorry, guys. Quickly, quickly me. Can't can't help the puns. He he, he writes it himself. He just does. (laughs) 
<laughs> like Fraser is somewhere licking his chops with a pencil. <laughs> it's like, ooh, wait till they hear this one. <laughs> yup. <laughs> but yeah, you just don't know what the politics are gonna are going to get in the way of getting the playing time he really deserves. Because it's obvious, it's obvious that the first unit or just the team in general just works better when you're sh- shooting on the floor. Because you know we're not getting this, we're not getting zoned to death. You know, so yeah, that's obvious. It's obvious that he's a better playmaker than DSJ. It's obvious. Yeah, at this point, yeah, (laughs) it's clear. I think we saw that like that big difference between DSJ looking lost and IQ coming in and just making decisions. You know what I mean? So decisive. I love that he's decisive. Decisive. Doesn't dribble around a lot in in a circle. No, one, two, go, simple play, alley oop, three pointer. Kept it, keeps it real simple. And, and I hope it, I just really hope the politics don't get in the way of him getting the play time, man. And we just need him just to bust the zone, just to bust the zone and keep teams ours. We just need him on the floor at all times. And you know what, Terry, too, you mentioned this earlier before. Uh, it seems like IQ is overshadowing Obi Toppin so far. And, and I've liked what Obi has given us. Is he had one game where I was ready to ship Randall out that night. I was like, yes! <laughs> Trade him for second rounders. We're good anyway. Just give this man time, right? I was, <laughs> I was on that train. But he's come back to earth a little bit, although he's shown some some nice things in the, the games that we just played. What do you think about Obi Toppin and what he's brought to us so far? I feel like with Obi, so obviously, like you said, starts off on fire. The other games, a little bit more iffy. Last game, I think he really showed his passing. And what I kind of see from Obi overall is his defense, a little bit better than advertised. Mm-hmm. Now, we played the Pistons and the Cavs. <laughs> so it's going to be very different against yes. good teams. And, you know, that Pacers game is going to show us a lot. Oh, yeah. The, 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 oh, the, the yeah. gap between Sabonis the... It's, and, it's, yeah. yeah. It's going to be very different. <laughs> but um, Obi's active on defense and... I'll bring this up, you know, there's that Amari Stoudemire uh, comparison that's been lingering around. And Amari obviously really poor on D, but when it came to Amari's defense, people only really cared once his offense started falling off. When Amari was in his peak killing people, yeah, right. his, he's able to get some weak side blocks. He's active exactly. around there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not even worried about it because you can already see Tibbs' impact, not just on Obi, on other guys. And he's gonna yeah. get the fundamental training that Amari yeah, exactly. even he never got. He never got. <laughs> he never got. And Obi's a he, he he just like quickly that that mindset, that vibe, that kind of swagger mm-hmm. that's a little bit confident, but just enough that you're not gonna be you know over the top or think you're the man. Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. in a weird way, even IQ taking kind of like the lion's share now of the praise and the media attention could even be good for Obi, allow him to work in the shadows, get get comfortable. Um, so for Obi, I was really excited. Just like his defense was a little bit better than we thought, yeah. at least so far. His shooting stroke looks good. I think uh, he missed some shots he definitely should have made. Mm-hmm. But it's passing, man. This is something Amari really struggled with. And I keep going to the Amari comparison, but and I know Obi kind of shied away from it. But I just see so much of him in him, yeah. in in, Amar- in uh, Obi. Yeah. And but his uh, Amari always had television. Amari got in the post. Amari yeah. had the ball. He was looking to the rim. Obi is looking up. You saw that uh, pass he hit to Knox in the corner yeah, off the dribble. Yeah, on the baseline pass. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so o- Obi, his eyes are open. He's not just trying to score. And I think you look at that young dynamic, right, that those young five that are running out there. And he just felt like he was unselfish. Mm-hmm. It was. It's infectious. Good basketball is infectious. Yeah. And I feel like Obi 
fits in perfectly with that. Yes. So I'm excited to see that. And I'm not as worried about like his output and all that, because I think we're going to ease everyone into what's happening this season. Randall looks a little bit better. So I think Randall's definitely, obviously Randall's going to yeah. be here to start this season. Yeah. So, you know, Obi can feast off the bench, work in with Knox. Obi and Knox should develop some chemistry. So I'm happy with Obi so far. And um, I think only good things. Honestly, only good things with our rookies so far. Man, you, you talk about yeah. the... Oh, you want to go ahead, Ryan? No, no, you, you can go ahead. I'll go last. All right, cool. So you talk about the infectiousness, man, that, that IQ has. Obi has that same thing. When you hear Tibbs talk about Obi, he lights up. <laughs> he lights up. And he, even yeah, though he's not Obi. even playing well, he, he, he straight up was like, yo, I love this kid. He brings so much energy and da 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 uh, he'll come along. He hasn't had the, the training camp and the, the summer league that everybody else had, but he'll be fine. And I really believe that. I really feel like we've had some really good high character guys in this yeah. draft, man. Like, struck gold when it comes to character. And you also write about the passing. I've been raving about the passing before we, he's even played on the Knicks. I've been saying on Twitter, I was like, this is this guy's most underrated skill is his passing. Like he he's making the, the corner to the, the corner pass to Knox, like you said, the bounce pass to Theo Penson in that Cavs game. He's been falling out of bounds, making one-handed passes on the money to some, I don't know who was at the three-point line, but he's thrown so many insane passes. Passes at the top of the key. Like he he's a like man, he's a he's a little mini point forward in, in on the low, man. A, li- a little Blake Griffin, right? A little late career Blake Griffin when Blake a couple of years ago started looking like a mini LeBron. Yeah. Now, Obi's yeah. not going to do all that, but the fact that his eyes are open, that's what I'm really talking about, right? It's not even just like his skill. It's like he's looking at the court, mm-hmm. which you see veterans aren't doing, Julius Randle, until now. <laughs> so, so that's that's so good to see, man. That infectiousness, I think... You know, we had Jeremy Cohen on our show mm-hmm. and we were just kind of discussing the IQ game. And I think, you know, we were having all this like high level talk and we felt like, man, you know what? Forget all that. The Knicks are fun. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it felt like. Wow. The Knicks are fun. They're playing fun basketball. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. I feel like the season, you know, the level of excitement we had just like hit another level in the past week. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because Randall's passing now. Like you wonder, you know, the coach is telling everyone to pass the ball. But yeah. when the guy behind you is passing better than you, you got to look at the mirror like, okay, now I can't. I can't, <laughs> I can't just be spinning into triple teams all year. I got to pass the ball once or twice, right? Like that has to happen. But give, give Julius Randle credit. He had eight assists the last game versus the Cavs. Um, I think 11 assists in the first two games, I believe. So he, he's on yeah. his way. Uh, so kudos to the coaching staff. Sorry, Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, um, since most – Points about Obi Top over taking. I'll just say this: um, <laughs> the, the the one thing I say about Obi Toppin is because rem- I think re- I recall um, you and you and um, CP interviewing Alan Hahn, mm-hmm. and Alan Hahn mentioned something about the coaching staff seeing Obi Toppin as a three, or they might play him at the three, or whatever the case may be. Now no. I might I might say something that's wild, but I can see I can see the where the where the coach staff was probably uh... coming from when they said that. Because if you look at Obi Toppin's skill set, the fact that he's a big that can pass the ball, it kind of does put him in a point forward kind of setting. And if Obi Toppin somehow gets his handle better, he he could possibly be no, a I'm three man. Right there, no, no, he, he, he Ryan, no, possibly, no, he could no. possibly be a three man. He, it's possible. <laughs> no, 
It's possible. Or at least, or at least to a, or at least to a, a point, a standpoint where they could mess around with the lineup at times and be like, okay, you know what? We're just gonna make the lineup big and then have Obi Toppin at the three since we know that he has point four like skills. And then you know, like like teams like to mess around with lineups and things like that. So I'm like, it's, it's a possibility. But I can I can see where the coaching staff was coming from when they were saying that you know we might play Obi Toppin at the three. Or they, the coaching staff didn't say that first of all. Allen said that. All right. The coaching staff oh, said they uh, were okay. open to, to <laughs> the coaching staff. They were open to um, putting those guys on at the same time. But so far, it's been at the all four right. and the five. Not not a three. okay. So all right. So so all right. So the coaching staff did mention that they're going to put multiple big men, multiple big men at the court at the same time. And Allen Howe was suggesting that the over top it might be a three at times. I, I mean, I still see him as like a four, but. I, I see where Allen Howe was coming from when he said that, you know, Obi Topic, he could be a three. Defensively, that is the disaster, man. It's just the disa- it's a disaster. But if you put but if you put two big but if you put two bigs behind him that can defend, then what's the issue? The issue the is the help defense. The issue is right now, okay, right now Mitch is already cleaning up Obi Toppin, right? Like you see you see the tape where you see Mitch cleaning up yeah. Obi Toppin's mistakes. And yeah. as of today, who do we have at the three right now, right? We have we have um, we got Kev. We have well, Kev. Yeah, Kev. Who's we got Reggie. Go ahead, Terry. I was saying we got Kev, Reggie, right. Burks a little bit. It's gonna be interesting. RJ's kind of they, mm-hmm. they're moving things around. I, I gotta give Ryan some credit. All right, for you trashing my man out here. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Here, here's the thing. Obviously, I don't think any of us really want to see Obi at the three. But you know, the NBA is all about matchups. And yeah. I think there's like a I think there's an Obi Knox thing where they can be switching three four possession to possession based on what's going on, right? So I trust Obi with the ball in his hands more than I do Knox, right? right. Knox to me, like even though Knox has improved, and we'll talk about Kevin as well, mm-hmm. he's best when he's spotting up yeah. right now. Keep it simple. Knox still nice. kind of doesn't know what to do. You exactly. see him with the ball sometimes. He's still doing some of those funny Knox yeah. things. So. <laughs> I do see, like, you know, obviously not an outright three and defensively, exactly. it couldn't work, it, it could be bad. But if you're playing like a really poor offensive team, you might find a way to hide Obi. You get a defender in there. Don't kill my man. All right. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, 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 and yes, and yes, it's the preseason, but I'm saying I like the help defense the Knicks are playing. So if the Knicks are playing great help defense, then you could possibly put Obi at the three sometimes, knowing that the Knicks def- that that the Knicks help defense is going to be there. I'll say so. I mean, I'll say this: it's worked as of now in spots because okay, right now Obi doesn't have the foot speed to really keep up with the fours and the point guards that much mm-hmm. right when he switched on the point guards you see him struggling and now you see mitch uh, you know he, he recovers and helps help and never yeah. guard right now we have kevin knox who's usually atrocious at guarding but he's done way better yeah knox has he's got way better, better yeah. right i i feel like putting obi at the three and then another bad defender at the four is going to put double the pressure on mitch to have to recover and put him into foul trouble and I don't. I just don't think that's the way to go. And it's, I, I, it's unless you unless you have a line <laughs> no, I haven't thought about. I don't think I, I'm just. Yeah, you go right. My bad. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just saying that I, I've seen I've seen a few clips where Obi was guarding on the perimeter, Mitch cleaned him up, and then another Nick came from the help, and then it was either a turnover or whatever the case may be. So I'm like, if the Knicks can, if the Knicks can't continue to play help defense like that, 
then why then what's the harm in having Obi play the three sometimes if it means the matchup Spot problems minutes. on offense is gonna be good. Thirty seconds per twenty games. <laughs> ah, I, I kind of feel like that's what Ryan's be saying, right? It's not. It's not that I don't think any of us want Obi playing the three, but. I will say, just given his his passing and his activity, I, I could see why that rumor was coming about. Not that yeah. I want. All right, all right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's very very spotty minutes. Let, let, Spot. Let's throw it this. Let's throw it this. Let's put it this way, right? <laughs> it's good that he's so versatile that where even that conversation is even being entertained. I think more than anything, Obi just showing he's gonna do a lot of good things out there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whether it's shooting, when he gets a chance, his regular stuff, getting to the rim, posting up, getting some buckets, or just being an active guy out there. I love how he fits in with people, man. That's the thing with Randall. We've, we've had this discussion, right? Randall's doing a bit better now, but Randall felt like you're trying to, when you fit him in, things around him get worse. Yeah. Obi feels like when you fit him in, things around him get better. Yeah. And I love I love guys like that. They're just like, they feel like a, like a floor raiser, right? You put them on the court. Better things are gonna happen, and I think both rookies feel like uh, yes. floor raiser type guys. I agree. So we're, yeah. we're in a good spot. We're in a good spot. Yeah, just when you have guys on your team who can pass, you automatically raise the level of everybody else on the floor, especially if they're unselfish. They're instinctively unselfish. So we got two guys who, who are unselfish passers. Um, quickly, I mean, more than I expected, because to me. I actually only thought he's going to be more of a shooting guard, combo guard situation. I actually looked more into his high school stuff after that game. And I was like, oh, uh, 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 okay. I see what's happening here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, man. We we have guys who can elevate the level of the rest of the team. And that's good to see for once. And uh, who, no one else has been elevated. We talked about Kevin Knox a little bit. Let's get into the Kevin Knox situation. Because I'm, I'm going to talk last, Ryan. Let Ryan Ryan kick it off Let Ryan kick it off Alright well With Kevin Knox now Look I was one of the guys I made last season Even earlier this season I was like one more season Because I was like (laughs) Exactly I was like I was like one more season With Kevin Knox Because I was like This guy has not Shown me anything The first couple of seasons And I was about to give up on him Maybe he needed A different coaching staff Kenny Payne Whatever the case may be, but he's really been showing up like his defense has improved. He's definitely shown more activity on defense. And offensively, he's at least showing that if he's left open, he can knock down a three-point shot, which is something the Knicks desperately need. So I've definitely been improved. I've definitely been impressed with Knox, and I hope that he continues his progression. Hopefully, going into the regular season, if he can if he can continue to be that three-point threat, I think the Knicks would be okay. Honestly. I, I agree with you. Anything to add to that, Terry? Yeah, yeah. Kevin, it's funny, right? You're talking about just last week. The truth is, Kevin had two bad games to start. Yeah. And then the third game was really bad up until the fourth quarter. So all the current Knox optimism is literally, Brandy. what, four or five quarters of basketball because it's the end yeah. of the third game and then the entire fourth game. That said, I think we all felt like, you know, hopes for Knox in terms of, He's a guy who you feel like the Kentucky connection, having Kenny Payne, having that kind of, you know, family feel is going to help him do better. Not in the coach, because Fizz was trying to do that with Knox. I think he needed Tibbs as a coach, but I think he also needed like the good cop, bad cop, so to speak. Yeah. So Kenny mm-hmm. Payne there, I think he, I think Knox is also the kind of guy he wants to prove you, he wants to prove you right too, not just prove you wrong. Kenny Payne believes in him. Yeah. He, I think he wants to show Kenny Payne, yo, yes, uh, you're rocking with me, I'm rocking with you, we got this. 
So if all Knox does is knock down spot up threes and play a little bit of defense, that alone is a step up because last year was really rough, really rough for him. Uh, he, he looked lost. And one thing I saw in the last game that I loved, we talked about that infectious joy, that kind of, you know, a team basketball, is he was smiling on the court. And I never see Kevin Knox smiling because he usually looks like he's so nervous and scared yeah. uh, of what's going to happen next that he can't even show emotion. I know outside of a couple of plays his rookie year where he was a bit more active, but I felt like in that game with that young lineup, he felt comfortable, felt he knew what he was doing. And you saw how a point guard activated Knox. Yeah. It is what it is again, mm-hmm. right? Even DSJ. Just can't seem to do that. Peyton, we already know his issues. I think even Frank and Knox, you saw even potential sometimes with Frank and Knox, even though Frank is not really that guy to get everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Just because of Frank's unselfishness, right. you did see Knox and Frank have some moments there. So I feel like with IQ coming in, just like a supercharged version <laughs> of whatever Frank was doing in terms of <laughs> offense, uh, he's going to be activated way more. He's going to fit into his role. He seems happy. I'm excited for Knox. I still think we're going to see some of those Knox games. Yeah. I think he's going to be like that. Yeah. Gonna be that guy for a couple more years, honestly. But hopefully, we get more of the knockdown knocks. Knock, hey, that Knock, knockdown knock. Hey. There you go. I, I just came <laughs> up with that. I'm spitting bars. <laughs> so I'm hoping we see. I think we will see way more. You know, I'm like, I want to see 60 percent of the games. Knox is now that guy, and then he keeps growing every season. But Ryan, you brought it up. The defense, at least, is good to see, and you're seeing that across the yeah. board, right? Everyone's yeah. defensive level activity, the level of activity on defense, this seems that much mm-hmm. higher. And when it's a whole yeah. team, the whole level just gets up. So we got to see it in the regular season, but good to see so far. Yeah, yeah man. Knox, last two games, 36 points, 12, 18 shooting, man. Nine from 12 beyond the arc. He's lighting it up for sure. And it's because he's keeping it simple, like Terry said. I think Knox just needs to keep uh, his offensive repertoire real simple. Uh, yeah, yeah. Catch and shoot. Uh, ironically, he's wearing number 20. Maybe you should look at Allen Houston. You know, one, two dribble pull-ups. Keep it minimum. Head keep, fade. Keep it simple. One dribble, two dribble pull-up, or go to the rack and dunk on him like, uh, what's his name is on the other end of it? Uh, ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch, if you yeah. know the highlight when Knox dunked on Ben Simmons, Oof. you know the reference I'm talking about. <laughs> but right. simplicity, simplicity is bliss. I think Knox's offensive game is going to take a lot of building out. Mm-hmm. So if all he can yeah. do this season, man, and I know people might say, "Oh, you got to develop everything." Nah, after the season he had last year, Knox just needs to play this, play some decent defense, That's get it. in some good opportunities, and once they start respecting his shot, right? You saw the mm-hmm. whole Ob Knox combination we saw against uh, was it Detroit, the first and second right. game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. when he was passing it back yeah. and forth to each other. Exactly. That's the thing. It's going to open up the game. Right now, they don't really respect your shot because you haven't really shown it. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. you start hitting that jumper, the game opens up. It gets so much easier. You can pump fake, get to the rim, show off that floater game you saw a little bit of. He's still he's still poor going to the rim. You can see he's yeah, scared. He's, he's, like, he's not like yeah. contact, uh, except for that Ben Simmons dunk he spoke about. <laughs> he's not looking for contact, but you know that's the next step because he can knock down free throws as well. So once you start getting to the rim, getting fouled, now you got the free throws, you got the three-pointers, you're getting guys off their feet. So keep it simple this year. Get the defense going, get some open jumpers, and then start to expand. But um, not, if Knox gets rescued, right, that's a big deal for that us. That is he, huge. Fits in well. Fits in well. Huge. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, I hope that all the Knicks young talent, they take that same like piece of advice that you gave him about keeping it simple i hope they all take that to heart because i feel like 
a lot of times, especially with, with a lot of these players in the past, like they try to do too much on offense. And then when they try to do too much on offense, all of a sudden, you know, they turn the ball over mm-hmm. or it looks like they're lost, whatever the case may be. But, but now you see Kevin Knox keeping it simple, like you said. All he's doing is just move around on offense, get himself open, catch and shoot, knock it in the three and things like that. And it's like, yo, just keep it simple. And then as you go on, you add more things to your game and then you develop into a better player, you know, in the future. That's the same reason why I think Mitchell Robinson hasn't taken the jump shot yet in the game. I think they're trying to keep it simple for him too. Like, we saw him make some contact on screens in preseason. Yeah. Yes. Year three. <laughs> Check. We, we saw him at a zero foul game last game versus the Cavs with the four blocks and the rebounds. Yep. Starting to rebound a little bit more. Check. I think they just give him the little simple task to build him up. And then once those things are down, you know, take a 15 footer, take a corner three, see what happens. Mm-hmm. What are you what are you seeing from Mitch Robinson so far, guys? Okay, well, Mitch, I like what, especially last game, I definitely like what I saw from from Mitch. His help defense was on point. Blocking shots, not fouling. The things that I want Mitch Robinson to do, and he still doesn't have the confidence to hit the, the perimeter shot because I did see a few instances where, you know, he could have taken the shot if he wanted to, but he still passed the ball off. I feel like the coaching staff, you know, they're still reluctant, you know, like you said, just giving him simple tasks to do. And just say, you know, just keep it these simple tasks and, you know, and you'll be good for the season going on. But, yeah, but, like, yeah, he's rebounding more. His help defense looks like it's getting better. He's blocking shots. It, he was kind of iffy in preseason with the fouling, but the last game he didn't foul. And overall, like, I like what I'm seeing from Mitch. Like, I'm like when, I, when he put all the young players in a nutshell, like, I am liking what I'm seeing overall. You know, DSJ kind of, you know, pissed me off the last game he played. But besides DSJ, like, I'm liking what I'm seeing overall from the young guys. And, yes, Mitch is definitely showing me something, especially in that last game during the, in the preseason. DSJ is interesting. I don't know if you want to add anything on the, on the Mitch front. Do you feel like he he won his starting, his starting job from the well? I think so. I mean, Noel was an injury as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like, you know, maybe Mitch starts. I, I'll say this with Mitch. You know, it's a bit of roller coaster like training camp, right? Because it starts off with Mitch and the sixth agent, yeah. and then the attitude issues apparently, like, and now you know, a week and a half later, two weeks later, he has one of his best games of his career, really, just in terms of like the discipline. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's had like better games in the real, you know, the real regular season, but we saw some things, you know, against the Cavs that won't work against every team. But he was definitely looking a lot more engaged. Mm-hmm. I think for Mitch. The next step, his his talent is off the charts, so right? Off the charts. He just has to think about the game more. Yeah, you know, you notice, uh, and I still I still think Mitch is going to get worked by traditional big men because traditional big men who can post them up and just know what it means to be in the post and make some moves, mm-hmm. they're going to know how to fake him out. Mitch still, this is still a thing that lingers. He still seems to think stopping the play means getting a block yeah. and not making them miss the shot, right? Tim Duncan's a great example of this. Watch Tim Duncan play defense, you know, back in the in the Western Conference days in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. He wasn't just trying to get a block. He knew, hey, you know what? As much as I can get a block, it's good for my stats. Right. This guy missing jumpers, me contesting and not fouling, is going to lead to us doing better, you know, in the game overall. So I think Mitch needs to get to that next step because I still saw him 
times against Thornmaker and stuff, and definitely Drummond the game before, where he's clearly just like, yeah. look, I don't want to say he's looking for stats, but I think he's so excited by the idea of getting a block. And that's yeah. not, defense is about stopping them from scoring exactly. above yeah. all. It's not about it's not even about stealing the ball or getting a block. It's really about stopping them from scoring. So I think that's the next evolution. But last game, we saw kind of like the full package of what you want from Mitch, right? Not fouling, especially because of how active he was, mm-hmm. was really impressive. Because it wasn't like Mitch was playing a more reserved game. He was doing Mitch stuff. Oh, yeah. He's every, he was yeah. out there, you know, fighting, getting rebounds, being like that wild guy that he is. And I think, you know, if anything, that last game shows you that no matter how solid Noel is, Mitch's talent level just makes him a more dynamic player. So I'm hoping with Tibbs, listen, Tibbs has created great defenders out of a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Mitch's raw ability is so good. And it seems like even Tibbs, you watch him talk about Mitch now versus like two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. He's on his team. And I think you see, I think he's seeing now that Mitch and Mitch's personality is a little bit different. He's, he's a little quirky. <laughs> you got, yo, listen, everybody's a little bit different, right? So you gotta learn how to you gotta like meet people in the middle, kind of know where they are. And I think Tibbs is kind of seeing now how to activate Mitch, yeah. how to get him engaged. And I think Mitch on his end is kind of learning more like what it takes to be that next level. You want to get that big contract yeah. that's coming up soon? You gotta take this next step. You can't just be a, a high potential guy Absolutely. who's doing like two things right, but still messing a lot of things up. So really, really happy with Mitch's progress. And I think overall, when you talk about the young guys, it's coaching. It's definitely Not coaching. to rag on my guy Fizz, but I think you're seeing a difference, rag. right? Rag all the way. Rag time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a co- it's the coaching. It's the coaching. Oh, yeah. That's Ooh. But it's, it's the coaching, man. You're seeing these guys all like, you know, they're, they're taking a little bit of a step up. Mm-hmm. And that, that little difference, man, makes such a difference as a player, right? Such a difference. It does. And I'm going yeah. to say something, too. I think Mitch is legitimately confused on how to play hard and smart at the same time. Because when he was <laughs> talking to, um, he, he had an interview earlier this week and he, he he said this i don't know how he's supposed to play hard and not jump around i just don't get it like he was generally confused because he's trying to play hard but not fouling he doesn't know how to do both he he looks <laughs> but you saw when um he has to realize that his length alone is enough sometimes because yeah. If you saw when he was playing drumming at first he was jumping on every pump fake but he didn't really get fouled out because he changed his tactic. He just stood straight up. You're, you're 20 feet taller than dude. He's bulkier, but stand straight up. He was able to stop the play by standing straight up a few times. So he just has to realize, hey, even if the guy's bulkier than you, nine times out of ten, the length of your arms is going to stop them doing from whatever they're doing, and you'll still be on the floor. So he needs to realize when to do that and when to jump, first and foremost. Second of all, I'm encouraged by the news that's come out about him recently because, you know, we've heard that... um. You know, he's had some bad practice habits. He was showing up late to Vegas. Uh, Tom seemed a little mm-hmm. concerned about his ha- practice habits himself. He mentioned in his first interview. But then in the last read-up I read from Ian Begley, Ian Begley mm-hmm. kind of noticed or mentioned that Mitch has been working hard. He's coming early to practice, staying late for practice, working on the shot. And I think the coaches are noticing. And hopefully that carries into the season and that becomes, you know, a more regular thing. Because like you said, mm-hmm. his talent is off the charts. So if you're able to maximize his talent, sky is the limit. He should be able to blow out Noel easily. (laughs) 
easily. Yeah, you, you look at what Mitch has already done, right? With little coaching, little real development. I mean, the best moment we've seen of Mitch was with DeAndre Jordan during those couple months. Mm-hmm. And DeAndre Jordan was able to get through to Mitch so well, just in that little period of time. And Mitch, you know, led the league in field goal percentage. Didn't he lead the NBA history? Was like the best yeah, field goal percentage? Field goal percentage yeah. In NBA yeah, so I'm like, Will obviously... Yeah, my guy just dunking. But still, the fact that he's able to do that, lead the league in blocks, do all the stuff he's been doing off of pure instinct. And this is still a guy who we know never really went to college, never really had any real, like, you know, look at the pedigree, the whole Kentucky pedigree. He had, like, the exact opposite. So for me, and I think we've been saying this for years, right? It's like if Mitch is doing all this with no real structure, when he gets structure, it can be that next level. And I think uh, you, you brought it up, right? The whole not knowing how to play hard and smart. Guys, like top-level guys, learn that mm-hmm. in college or in high school quick early. Yeah. <laughs> another, another quickly pun was enough. <laughs> but they learn it early, right? They're in real games, got a national spotlight. There's so many things that kind of start affecting how you think about the game on a deeper level. Mitch didn't have that. Um, so now you're seeing it more. I think Mitch needs to realize, hey, if I don't get in foul trouble, if I'm not blocking every shot, I can be on the court longer. Maybe I can get more blocks later yeah. in the game. Like there's so many yeah. things that I think are beginning to, you see the gears turning, mm-hmm. turning. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you got to love it because I'm so glad that we see like the final preseason game. It almost felt like so much of everything we want from Mitch came together yeah. right before we really start the real game. So he won't be perfect. Of course, we're still going to see some issues that we saw before, but if everything's everything trending up. It feels weird as a Nick fan. I'm like confused. Yeah, man. <laughs> we have Kenny Payne here, man. The big man whisperer, dog. It's like, if you can't make it now with the big man whisperer here, the guy who, who trained up AD. <laughs> like, and that's his boy, too. Don't forget, AD's, uh, AD's Mitch's boy. That's right. Whole, he, didn't uh, use his tra- he used AD's trainer um, he did, yeah. to train before he was even the league. Yep. You're right. Yep. You're right. You're right. I still remember him and AD were like training, working out together. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I mean, he didn't learn too much there. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> but positive, positive signs. And, you know, sometimes guys need that kind of gut check. And I have a feeling in a way Tibbs is approached with Mitch to start. And then the kind of rumors about maybe Noel starting and like his position being under threat was kind of maybe also on a personal level, like as a man, Mm -hmm. that kind of gut check he may have needed to like be like, all right, I gotta clean my stuff up. Right. Let's get in. It's year three. Let's get a business. I will say, I will say this. Uh, News did come out that uh, Nerlens Noel dropped his representation. Who happens to be Clutch Sports? So everybody was looking at Mitchell like. What's wrong with him? He dropped, you know, he, he's dropping all these managers. What's happening with him? Well, maybe there's something there. That's not about Mitch. Maybe it is something going on with uh, with Clutch. So, uh, CAA is giving that um that Shig Knight speech. Mm. The, you want to come wherever you're uh, Rich Paul ain't <laughs> dancing in the video? Come over to the real team. I'm just saying, if he signs with CAA, if he signs with CAA, funny. I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Sports is the ditty of that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's a good <cool> analogy. <laughs> oh man, anything? I mean, I feel like every, everybody else right now is on the bubble of like disappointment or in the middle. Like it was okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was okay. But what's going to happen there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. Frank DSJ fiasco thing, like. Then it's just Junior um, showed some things. Go ahead, Ryan. I feel like you want to say something. No, I was just saying about the whole Frank DSJ thing. Like, I feel like both players 
both players didn't really impress in the preseason like Knox or Mitch or any of those guys. Like Frank, you know, it's pretty much it's pretty much the same. Like Frank gives you that defense. He gives you, you know, the effort on the defensive end. I did like the fact that Frank did hit a couple of threes in the first couple of games, which is a, which is a positive. So, I mean, if Frank, I feel like, because it's interesting, because on Twitter the other day, I saw Allen Hahn post something saying that, you know, the Knicks got their point guard, et cetera. All the Knicks are missing is a 3 and D wing. And I feel like if Frank can just at least hit his three-point shot, he can be a- that's a 3 and D wing right there. So, I feel like there's still a spot for Frank on this team, even though he didn't impress that well during the preseason and the fact that, you know, Thibs like defensive guys. So you already know Frank being one of the guys that actually shows a lot of effort on defense. I feel like Frank is just going to get time based off of that. But DSJ now, this is where it gets kind of rocky because I'll give DSJ this. Defensively, he has gotten better. Mm-hmm. He does show more effort on defense. Mm-hmm. Like these, these past three games I've seen him in preseason, He's definitely um, getting his hand on the ball more. He's getting steals and things of that nature. So I'll give DSJ credit for that. But I don't know, the last game before um, the the coaching staff sat him, you know, due to injury concerns. Mm -hmm. Like with the one, the ball was in his hands. Like I felt like he was trying to do too much and he was just dribbling way too much and not passing the ball and things of that nature. And then especially, and, and it's a broad pick, especially that play on at the end of the Don't first quarter. Don't give your juice away early, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 know, I know I'm just, I'm just mentioning it. I'm not, I'm not actually doing the play okay, for okay, play, okay. but yeah, but you know, like things like that, I'm like, I don't know about DSJ, man, because you already know Peyton's going to be the starting point guard more than likely because he's the veteran and he probably, you know, can run the offense better you know you know the coaching staff you know go probably go with the veteran they're not gonna rush quickly into their first first game starting point guard <laughs> they should but they're not gonna yeah. do that so Peter's gonna more than likely be the starting point guard quickly has shown that he deserves a spot in the rotation so right there that's two point guards you you've we've yet to see what Austin Rivers can do yep. so right there that's three point guards and then DSJ hasn't to me he hasn't impressed me enough for me to want to give him playing time in the regular season based off the preseason, and I believe that if the Knicks do play him in the regular season, it's just strictly due to trade value. See if you can get his trade value up and get like a second-round pick or something like that. But, yeah, DSJ really disappointed me. Frank, to me, it's like same old, same old. I'm like, he gives you the defense. Offensively, still need to see a bit more something from him, but at least it's a positive sign that he knocked out a couple threes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, those are the two who, uh, it's weird because Frank hardly played, right? Yeah. You know, he, you know, he was injured. Yeah. DHA missed the one game. But Frank, I actually have a feeling, like, personally, I have Frank as the biggest loser of the preseason, just more so that he missed it. Yeah. Because it's so funny looking at where we are now in, in uh, December, right? Season's about to start. Go back when the season ended. At the end of the season, Frank, uh, for all his struggles, was looking the best he's looked. Yeah. Had that 20 and 10 game, was looking way more confident on offense. And uh, I felt like uh, for him as well, if the season had finished, I think people would be looking at him at a different level of in terms of what he can be for us mm-hmm. because he again he got cut like right as he really looked the most comfortable. Right. You know, that Frank RJ backcourt that Mike Miller was running off the bench when he had like RJ and Frank playing some minutes together, it flowed. Frank looked confident, 
things look like it worked. And I think RJ and Frank, it seems like they're still tight. Yeah. So you can tell the thing. Yeah. The thing with Frank is it's weird because, you know, he, he comes in this season and his role is going to be totally different. Whereas I just felt like he was kind of getting comfortable on the ball. Right. Now, obviously that doesn't matter, right? It's about the Knicks. So IQ is just going to give us more there. So I, you know, he has to like kind of readjust and figure some things out. I actually really do believe in his shot, especially as a uh, setup shooter, as a spot up shooter. 50% from the corner last year from threes. Mm-hmm. You saw, like you brought Brian in preseason, the shot, he was letting it fly. I think he only hit like two threes, but both games he was pretty efficient. He's always been a really good free throw shooter. So you can really see him fitting in pretty easily. You know, one of the kind of, down, not the downsides, one of the things I wish for in the past two games, watching the young guys out there moving, playing defense and running, I'm like, Frank would have fit in so well with that unit because he does all those things. He moves the ball. He's unselfish. He wants to pass. He, he's always going to do whatever the team needs. Right. So he's one of those guys too. You just add them in there. He should be able to slide from one, two, three and just do something good. Especially if you have, you know, he should be the fifth best offensive player in the lineup. Right. And I felt like there were lineups where he would have fit in. Now he's injured, misses the two games. It's a new staff. So they don't care what he did last nope. year. It's not like Mike Miller who saw him improve. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I saw you did. You're, you're good. You're going you're gonna to get your minutes. For Tibbs, it's all like, what am I seeing in front of me? He's not see, He didn't get to see anything on the court, really. So he's got to like earn his way in. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard to earn your way in, especially with Tibbs who might have like a set rotation. So it doesn't matter how good he might be playing in practice. You got to like, how are you going to beat someone out if you're not getting on the court? But I think his play style and what he does, like you brought up, I think it's definitely worth giving him some minutes this season. I don't want the Knicks to, especially because he improved, especially the kind of guy he, I think he is. I don't want to see it just end with like this. He got injured in preseason and that's it. I definitely think more, way more than DSG. Frank should be getting some minutes at the two to three, figure it out. He's still young. He plays defense. He does the right things on the court. Obviously, we want to see more on offense. But I think without him having that pressure now on offense to be the main point guard, he should be able to fit in and get some things done. So I want to see it. As for DSJ, I think he has to be the one out. You know, when IQ, we were kind of debating IQ, I thought IQ would be a lot more off ball, like you mentioned, yeah. JLS. And I think you know, I thought of him more as like a, a Seth Curry, Lou Williams type where, yeah, he does some stuff off on ball, but like he's running off screens. Right. He's doing Ray Allen stuff. It's very clear now, put the ball in his hands. Right. If you're putting the ball in IQ's hands, you cannot put DSJ next exactly. to him. Because what is he? That, yeah. yeah. What is he doing? He's just there. Yeah. Right. And he's not, even if DSJ, I know his jumper's a little bit better, but he's not going to be a spot up guy. I think he looks lost on offense. Like he looks. It's kind of crazy to me how bad he looks on offense because that was literally his job as a like he came yeah. in the league as a hey this athletic guy who can't do anything but get to the rim and do athletic plays and now he just looks like a shell of himself even though I gotta give him credit because his defense he's playing bad he's playing good bad defense and what, what that what that is to me <laughs> is hustles to make up for his mistakes exactly so guys who yeah. just overly hustle they're getting like they're getting um they, like he's like we brought Mitch right they had Jay playing uh, defense against those G League point guards he looked like a guy who was just hunting for steals but that level of activity is good and he's out there just swiping at the ball getting in passing lanes doing active things it's gonna help you and keep you in the league it'll probably keep him in the league if he keeps that up mm-hmm. beyond this team. But it's really hard to see his role on this team because I see, you know, like you mentioned, Ryan, Peyton's going to start. I am actually fine with it. I've come around with it. I've come around to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. IQ, for me, comes off the bench, right? But he finishes games. If that's happening for the first 10 games and then he transition, totally fine. But you see a rotation of IQ and uh, Peyton either way, starting, benching, whatever. 
I, DSJ to me should not play next to any of those guys. Nah, uh, him and Peyton is just disaster. Disastrous. And then him yeah. and uh, him and IQ. I guess it kind of works, but then I'm like, why not just give IQ the point and have someone like Burks right. or um, or uh, or uh, Reggie Bullock or Austin Rivers or Frank? All those guys make way more sense next to Quickly. I you know even that uh, was it the second game. You saw that Frank Quickly. Uh, I think Obi Knox lineup, and you saw some like yeah. good things. Mm-hmm. Like Frank and Quickly were playing together, so I'm like. DHJ is just tough because you can't switch him. If he's not on a point guard, he's getting dominated, mm. mouse in the house, yeah. wherever he is. And uh, I, I feel kind of bad for him because I know he went through a lot. And yeah. you can see that he's like taken this year to grow as a person. And he's really trying to come in with a better attitude. But I was watching him on the bench when IQ's balling out in the last game. I'm just like, look how quickly that oh God, I can't. These puns, man. <laughs> <laughs> they write themselves, like, Terry. They write themselves, but the NBA is a cruel game, a cruel game, right? Yep. DHA, big, big guy in high school, comes into the league. What was he, number nine, I think, in the end in the draft? Yep. But high fine LeBron's bigging him up, rookie mm-hmm. year, all this stuff. Literally two years later, okay. uh, and he wasn't a project. <laughs> this is the thing. He wasn't a project, right? That's why I bring it up. Frank was always a project. You're like, we'll see what we get out of him long term. DHJ was not supposed nope. to be a project. This is a come in the league, ball, get to the rim. And I'm like, he's on the bench now, contract year. And this this IQ guy, drafted 25, is out here taking his cookies. And DHA, <laughs> yeah. you know what? We'll talk. DHJ had his shot. They gave DHJ a chance. DHJ had it. Mm-hmm. Last year, Fizz was putting him out there. He And the NBA, things move move. Fast. I'm trying not yeah. to say it. <laughs> it, it moves, moves quickly. It moves quickly. There you go. So it's, like, <laughs> it, it's hard to see where he fits in. I do think his defensive effort now will maybe buy him a couple more contracts in the league and maybe can develop. But uh, it, it's hard to fit him in. It's really hard to fit him in. Yeah, it, it is really hard because you notice we talked about this last time, Ryan, the last episode, how... Frank and DSJ together, like it looked okay, but then you start to realize that Frank is the reason why the offense was organized, even though DSJ had the ball in his hand. And then when you took Frank out the equation, it looked crazy. <laughs> how, how is though? How is DSJ looking worse on offense than Frank? That's why I'm like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Like, like even if Frank is like Frank runs through the offense like he's a he's a robot. So in his mind, it's like that screen's happening, and then this screen's gonna happen. So I'm gonna go around there and then deliver it. So which is why I think you see him with France like it fits because it's maybe a bit more you know a bit more mm-hmm. like, like how the NBA used to be, right? Not as much freestyle. I still think you know he's a guy on a team that and no teams do that really anymore. But that's why I always think thought that if he gets on a team that does that, he would be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But DSJ just looks lost. At least Frank organizes yeah, to some degree. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm I'm like, I can't believe DSJ lost that skill. Like, like of all the things, like he just feels like he doesn't know what he's doing. And it, it was apparent, man. He was getting double team. He was getting trapped at half court against the Pistons and looked like he never played yeah, offense before. It was crazy. It was yeah. Crazy. It, yeah. I don't know, man. It just, it's, it's yeah. apparent. And like you said, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it might work if DSJ and Quickly are together, but you would want Quickly to have the ball. And it's just weird to have DSJ be a spot-up shooter. Like, it don't even make yeah, sense in your brain. <laughs> so you, you feel like that should be Frank if you're going to have um, uh, if you're gonna have Emmanuel Quickly start or, you know, mm-hmm. Orson Rivers whenever he comes back. Uh, it's, 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 it's gonna be. It's just a problem, man. I just don't know how committed the Knicks will be to that, knowing that I felt like they were trying to move him last year. I'm not sure what they're going to do. It, it just seems uh, crazy for them to to pump him as a starter, to, to have him not playing. It just seems like a huge fall from grace. Well, let yeah, me. Have, but, yeah. Oh, sorry, Ryan. Oh no, no, yeah. no. Um, 
I know this is kind of off topic, but this is an interesting question. Because remember, DSJ's first year in the league, he was balling with Dallas. Like, he had his head on straight and everything. He was balling. Like, do you believe that the DSJ we have today would be the same DSJ if they never drafted Doncic and he had the starting point guard role in Dallas to this, to this, you know, to this time? Like, do you think he would be the same DSG, DSJ at the, or do you think he would have fell off either way? I feel like he's a type of person who needs everything to be perfect around him. And if there's a little adversity, he cracks. So if it wasn't Doncic, I feel like if it was something else, anything else, it was going to happen to him. Because he just I don't think he just has the mental toughness, at least not yet. Maybe that'll turn around for him because he's still a kid, right? He's still young. So maybe he's developing that right now as we speak. But I feel like at some point, you're either mentally there and you don't. And you have to grow there. To, um, to overcome stuff like competition or losing or failing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, DNJ in Dallas, it was one of those things where he was, like, he looked good, but his, like, advanced stuff sucked. Like, he wasn't a winning player, right? right? But he would look he looked yeah. active. He was doing stuff. He had, like, 15 points per game. I think if Doncic never happens, DNJ probably scores, like, 17 the next year. But he's one of these guards that, like, has good stats, but do nothing for winning. And the team, like, after, like, their first contract, they, they maybe they pay him, but now you're like, oh, I'm paying him $17 million. And, yeah, he's getting points and assists, right. but nothing mm-hmm. really good is actually happening for the franchise. Um, and I yeah. think, you know, look, I think Trey Burke probably went through some of what DSG is going through mentally, right? Mm-hmm. These guys, these high-flying, all-action point guards, they're usually the best player for miles growing up, yeah. right? DSG yeah. had no competition in high school, in, in, in middle school, in high school, he gets to college. He still does really well at NC State. Now he comes to the league and it's a totally different role. And I think that's why you see maybe Frank deals with it better because Frank is Frank yeah. understands how to be a role player. He was a role player in France. So he's never going to get affected by a lack of minutes or a lack of like coddling. Whereas ZHJ, you mentioned it. I think it's a shock for him to like have to play as a third guard off the bench mm-hmm. and like, you know, IQ is taking your minutes and like now you got to be really good, but only yeah. in five minutes. And in those five minutes, you can't do DSJ stuff. You got to actually just play your role. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that's a big difference it being is. a backup point guard playing your role versus like I'm the offense, I'm doing this. And I mean, it's also an indictment on you a little bit if you can't fit in with Luka Doncic because as much as Luka yeah, has the ball in his hands, better. blah, 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 mm-hmm. Luka's moving the ball. Luca is trying to get you involved. Tim Hardaway! Tim Hardaway! It's <laughs> <laughs> balling out in Dallas, right? So I'm kind of like, um, I, you know, and listen, there were some, there were already some attitude things in Dallas a little bit. They were trying to trade him for weeks before the we ended up coming in with the KP trade. You know, he was he missed like 12 games in a row. He was holding out. There was a bunch of stuff going on. But I want to ask you guys this, kind of building off your question, Ryan. You talk about the Knicks' commitment to him. Right, the Knicks are trying to figure out, you know, Johnny Bryant. He's DSJ is always talking about Johnny Bryant, right, but yeah. I'm not really hearing Johnny Bryant talk about DSJ. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but my thing is this, right? Overall, and I know this is definitely some of it. Damn. The fact that he was the main part of the KP trade has given him this extended leash. I definitely think so, right? With the yeah. franchise, because Absolutely. as much as he was going through stuff last year, what he did on the court last year is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen from a Nick player. And I, and not against him against a person. It's just that how he played last year was so bad. Was so bad. And you look at the team now and it's kind of like, where does he fit? And like how much? So my question really is this, right? Recouping his value 
because it was part of the KP trade and you want to save face mm -hmm. versus just being like, listen, whatever you want to save face, we got IQ. That worked out. We didn't think it was going to work out. It worked out. So whatever. Just cut cut ties. Move Dude, on. I've been team cut my losses from jump. Yeah, that's, <laughs> how, that's how it kind of feels, right? Yeah. I'm like, cut my losses. Yeah. And I mentioned this earlier. We haven't seen the trade line to boost his value, right? What is that worth? Is it worth, right? Is is boosting his value to trade him for a second round pick worth not giving IQ the reps at the point guard spot and making everybody else better around him? I don't think it's worth it. Like I really don't. Yeah. Like that that the shooting, first of all, the shooting at the point guard spot for us right now is way too valuable to be playing with uh, these reindeer games trying to raise Trey's value. <laughs> it's way too valuable. And on top of that, like IQ is the only one here who can properly break a zone. He's the only one. And not only, not just because he can shoot, because Alec Burks can shoot as well. And, and sometimes, um, uh, he can- oh, Rivers? <laughs> not Rivers. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Reggie Bullock. Sometimes Reggie Bullock can shoot, it seems like. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Alec Burke is the only one who can actually cause the defense to shift with a head fake. Like, everybody else head fakes in the corner, and the defense <laughs> resets, and every advantage we had is gone <laughs> after the ball swings around. He's the only yeah. one who can actually take advantage of a closeout on our team. And that's, it's just way too valuable for me to just have him on the bench for the sake of raising D DSJ stock. Uh two more spots in, in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I have the same mindset. Like, I'm not really for playing a player if it means you're stopping the progress of another player who seems to be more viable to the team. Like, I'm not, I'm not in the mindset of, you know, playing a player that's going to hurt our chances of winning the game by trying to give him playing time to raise his value when we have guys on the bench that could probably play better and give us a better chance to win games. I'm not for that. So at this point, I'm like, look, if you can't trade him for a second-round pick or anything like that, you might as well just have him on the roster to the end of the season and when he becomes a free mm -hmm. agent, it is what it is. You just don't resign him. Now, also this, I do believe that if Ike wasn't the guy we saw, I do believe that DSA would get better. Because I already seen him get better in his preseason. I don't know how yeah. much better he would get, but I do believe he will be a more competent player. Because even the game where he messed up with the with the um organizing the offense and it was trapping at the top of the key, towards the next quarter, he was able to make the pass to Obi um after they sat him for like 10 minutes. So I, I do believe he can get better. I'm just don't know if it's worth investing that. While we have a guy like IQ here who can just raise everybody's floor ten feet. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you hit it on the head perfectly, right? DSJ came, so he had half of his first season after the trade, and you have all of last year, right? So we've mm -hmm. had Dennis Smith Jr. for a year and a half at this point, uh, and the NBA moves quickly, right? It God I can't, I can't do this. Anymore. <laughs> But it, it does, and, and the thing is, quickly right? All right. <laughs> the thing is, and I was even into the idea before we saw IQ start and really play point of like a D, of DHA and quickly because I'm like, if IQ, you know, DHA can break down a defense better than Frank when his head is on a right. little bit, and IQ off screens, I'm like, okay, if that's the backup guard rotation until Rivers is healthy or whatever, mm -hmm. I could kind of buy that. But to me, once you saw what IQ did with the ball in his hands. 
I'm like, and you talk about value, right? DSJ is literally a expiring pick, an expiring pick. He is his cap hold is like 17 million because of where he was drafted. And even and I, I know I had to start even before IQ kind of popped, right? I was like, okay, wait. How good would Dennis Smith Jr. have to be this season for the Knicks to not get a point guard anyway? So let's say Dennis Smith Jr. somehow has like this, you know, 16 points per game, seven assists, really decent season, maybe his rookie year. Mm -hmm. Would that be enough for the Knicks to still be in the offseason? Like, yeah, whatever. We're drafting Kate Cunningham or or, or we're getting a a better guy in the, the, you know, in free agency or whatever. I'm like, it's so weird when you get these contract year guys. And that's why I was annoyed with the Moutier thing going back. Even though Moutier had a decent season. Man. I'm just kind of like how like Mudia would have to become that year. I'm like Mudia would have to become so good for us to keep him. I'm like, what's the point? And now you got IQ who's literally locked into a contract for four more years. I would rather watch IQ mess up and learn on the job this year yeah. than DHJ get a little bit better because then you get to the offseason and now you're like, well, now I gotta pay DHJ yeah. versus yeah. IQ get so I'm like no. from a structural standpoint, it just doesn't make sense. And I do think Dennis Madrid, I think this year for him, like the whole year and going into what he'll do this season will help him stay in the league long term because I think DHJ was heading to China in a couple of years based on how he was doing. <laughs> Damn. Nah, nah, I'm Damn. Not, not even, you know, it's not even any hate on DHJ. It's like the NBA man, you look at the draft coming out next year. Like Sick. every year you're getting replaced. Yep. These big guys are going yeah. not even in the league. Moutier is not in the league. Trier is not in the league. Even Kadim Allen, who looked good every time he played, he's in France. Yeah. It's like, this happens. Yeah. It happens quickly, man. I'm like, these teams, you know, they get oh, seven point guards yeah. coming in, right? He's six, yeah. seven point guards doing all this stuff. Yeah. It's tough. So I, I think this year, though, we'll keep him in the league because I think he's going to develop. I think he's seeing it, right? He's developing different skill set where there's a little bit more defense. Hopefully some quicker decision making that would at least make him a valuable guy. Mm-hmm. And I think Trey Burke's a good example of someone who had to yeah. go through everything and he's now come out late 20s now. But he's humbled he, himself, too. He went to the G League. Oh, yeah. He had to humble himself. Remember, Trey Burke had to go back. Mm-hmm. He had to go back and earn it again. Yep. So, I think DJ probably wouldn't have to go that far back because I think he's maybe getting it a bit earlier. But mm-hmm. for the Knicks, I'm just like, what is this investment worth? IQ has shown you not that, not just that like he's going to be valuable as a player, but that he's valuable with the ball in his hands. Right. I'm like, I cannot take the ball out of IQ's hands nope. anymore. I just not can't take it up. I don't want to yeah. see him at the two. I, I was, I was in for that. I was kind of like, okay, let's play him with a point guard. Now I'm like, now what I saw, let him yeah, he's just the point guard. Let him play PG. Let him play PG. That is a so, point. God, all right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he, you know, it, it's. I'm, I'm so excited to see him against real point guards. Too, yeah, man, that's uh, the because test. it's gonna be it's gonna be a big difference. That said, I thought the second game, right, against Cleveland, where I'm like they're bringing in better players now. Sexton's gonna play, not like these Matt Mooney, these random guys. <laughs> I thought IQ might even struggle a bit more because he had 9.7 assists the first night. Right. That was kind of like okay, he's starting. It's probably gonna be okay. Maybe you get like eight points, three assists. He probably be look good, but he took it. No, he took it to no Colin fear. Sexton. Held no his fear. nuts. It was like hold, like three. You going did. to the whole floater, floater. Bad. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You gotta, and, and he was killing Garland, killing, killing Garland. Garland, Garland killing him. Guys, what did Garland last year? Remember Garland? You worked him out. People would die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like him too. You know, it's funny, right? You bring up Darius, right? The skill set that we wanted from Darius is IQ plus more because yeah. it's that shooting, that ability to shoot. And IQ is giving you that. He's giving you the driving. He's giving you the attitude. He's talking to the refs like, like he's a vet. He's like, yo, man, watch. You found me on the last play. And he's coming back doing the KD swing. Mm-hmm. Listen, 
Nah, for real. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it, man. I'm loving what I'm seeing. It. I'm loving what I'm seeing. It. I'm not crying over Kara like I was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have something here. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's. So we we talked about all the guys that we had on the team, right? And we evaluated them. So we see where the direction the team is going. For you guys, uh, Terry. What do you feel like is would be a success for the season? What would, what would you think would be a successful season look like? Is it a win total? Is it somebody? I, I, I and we didn't even that, talk about RJ Barrett, which is crazy. We talk, oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, it's funny. When we spoke about, like, coming out of preseason, I was going to go with RJ because IQ's been all the talk. RJ, out of everyone, and just in terms of, you know, the expectations are higher for him, and he did well last year. So we're not coming in like, oh, my God, I hope he's better. We all kind of knew RJ was going to be better. Yeah. From that. yeah. Four games, except for the first quarter, of solid play, fitting in in his role despite being the main guy, not forcing it, efficiency, free throws, Love it. So for the direction of the franchise, right? Yeah. We've had all these young guys who've been playing, playing shuffleboard with them, changing them around, trying to see what fits. The truth is in the NBA, you need like two guys to show you that they got something Mm -hmm. and everyone else you could trade and whatever. So for me this year, and we may have more than that. I just kind of really want to see IQ, RJ and Mitch, right? Knox is kind of in there. Yeah. Kind of in there. I think Knox is valuable. But to me, those three, because that's really, listen, that's your point, your main scorer and your defensive anchor, right? That's the three most important. Let's say Knox is a stretch four. The truth is you can get a stretch four on the market, right? Right. And this isn't advocating for anything. Knox is here for another year. So obviously, you know, I mean, no matter what, I think Knox will probably get re-signed as well. So I'm all good on Knox. But in terms of what the Knicks need to see this year to be like, all right, bet, let's go forward. RJ's got to do what he did all, all preseason long. He's got to keep that up. IQ does not have to be as good as he was. He just needs to be solid. I'm talking, you know, 12 points per game, five assists, hit like 38 from three, even if he hits like 41, 42% from the field and like 80, 80 plus from the line, that is good. We haven't had decent level, Raymond Felton level point guard play in so long. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm like, if we get like a solid Raymond Felton year from IQ, we're good. You know what I mean? At least to move forward. We may still need to get a franchise point guard down the line, but right, right now we need a yeah. point guard that can do point guard things. So yeah. if we can leave this season, man, with Mitch showing that discipline, showing a more cerebral game, doing Mitch things still, RJ showing the progression, showing what we've seen in preseason. I just need RJ to get to like 18, 6, and 5. I don't need anything crazy from him. I just want to see the efficiency, you know, smarter play, hitting the free throws. Then IQ can just be a nice dynamic guard, even if he doesn't end up being our long-term one, you just need someone mm-hmm. in the background that can do some things. That is good because, and then I didn't even bring up Obi, right? Because even I'm about those, to say, you didn't even mention Obi. <laughs> this is the, you know, this is the funny thing about the position we're in as a franchise, right? We all, you know, we talk about Knicks attracting players, all that stuff. If those three guys just look solid, we have a clean year, no controversy. We do okay. We maybe get into the playing game or just miss out. That alone is it enough for this Absolutely. FO to start making trades? Because the truth is, they want to make trades. You've heard it. They're, they're acting. Yeah. They're, they're going to play the kids and work it out. But these guys, next summer, stuff is going down. They're not going into... <laughs> so even if even if it's not something we like, right? They may go and do something a little bit more aggressive than we like. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. what they're going to do this year is pick three or four guys to roll with. And then, like, in terms of the young guys that we're going to really invest in... And then they're gonna package and move, and they're gonna we're gonna be a good team next year for better or for worse because they're gonna do something aggressive this summer. 
I yo, yeah. I'll say this. It's funny you didn't mention Obi because is because the point guard position is just so important for this team. Yeah, yeah. That I can foresee IQ being more important than Obi this year because if Obi is just okay, plays you know, okay, I know it'll be bad for the papers and for the media, but overall for the team, it's just more important for us for the point guard to be that guy and RJ to be that guy than even Obi being well. Obi, to me, being good this year, now that you mention it like that, it's almost like icing if Obi is <laughs> what you want him to be. So, and we don't know what he's going to be because we still have Randall here. We don't know what the reps are going to be like. But mm-hmm. it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned it like that because I would, I would definitely say Obi should be in this in this conversation of some a guy who should hit. And I still want him to hit just because of, of the the um the draft position. And I think he'll be okay. I'm not sure how the scoring is gonna be now that I see him playing every night. But um yeah, I think you're right. I think the point guard might be even more important for us to hit. Ryan? Yeah, well, um I well I, first I wanna say this. The fact that we're just hoping for point guard to bring us a Raymond Felton level type of production, that just shows how bad of a situation Knicks are Yo, in. When he said 38% from three, my mind was, I couldn't even fathom that from a point from a point guard. <laughs> I was like, is that possible? <laughs> exactly. So I think the fact that we're hoping for Raymond Felton level production from the point guard position just explains how the Knicks have been searching for a franchise point guard for years. That's first and foremost. But um, as for what, what will make a successful season for the Knicks... First, with Obi Toppin, like I feel like Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin will be fine just for the simple fact that he's a big, and if you have a guy that can play point guard, he's going to feed off of that, and he's going to get you know easy chances to score and things of that nature. So I feel like with Quickly, if you're playing with Quickly, and Quickly continues to play like how he played in the preseason, of course we're not expecting him to score 22 a night, but you know if he could just give us decent stats, you know five, six assists a game, or whatever the case may be. That's going to be beneficial to Toppin to Toppin as well, and Toppin is going to also be a productive rookie. And I just feel like I don't want to give a win total and things of that nature. Like I just think that as long as the Knicks play hard every night, play good defense, and just give themselves chances to win games and just be competitive on a nightly basis, I feel like that's more than enough. Because with the roster the Knicks have right now, you're not really expecting them to do much. Yeah, we're hyped because preseason Knicks went three and one. They were winning their games. 18 point comeback against the Cavs, then smacked them in the other game. Beat the Pistons the first game in Detroit. But you know, if you're on a but if you're being realistic, more than likely the Knicks are gonna probably be a lottery team again. And with the deep draft coming in 2021, the Knicks could possibly add another high caliber player to to the young unit they already have and the Knicks would probably be way better next season like Terry said so you know I just feel like as long as the Knicks just show consistent effort play hard every night play great defense you see improvement from the young players like Knox Frank Toppin IQ etc I feel like that's a good season for the Knicks I would say so as well and you know maybe take some gain into some of these trades who knows who knows we have some, a couple of expirings or maybe we actually keep a, a veteran for once. Who knows? But it's, it's hard to... Um, when you think about... Because Terry tweeted this earlier. When you think about that we got um, we got Emmanuel quickly because the Marcus Morris trade, it gets you thinking. 
maybe we should ship all these guys out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's the kind of thing we did, right? Instead of like instead of selling off the cap space with Mook, we we did a, we did different, right? We didn't take a bad contract. We just signed a guy to a bigger contract than he'd get, but then we got a pick anyway mm-hmm. to turn into IQ. So. Uh, Ryan, you hit it on the head, man. It's like, we just need a solid year. We need to take a step. We need a step forward. That's all we really need, right? The problem with the last couple of years of this rebuild is that every year started with the positivity and the idea of a step forward. But by mid-season, it was just like a shit show. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Fizdale's first year, remember, this was heading into KD. This was KP was injured at that time. You know, we had just drafted Mitch. Frank was in, uh, was that year two, I think? Yeah, so... All we were hoping, and Knox is year one, all we were really hoping that year is that KP came back February, looked okay, Frank looked a little bit better, Knox looked okay, then we went to the offseason, KD, blah, blah, blah. That's all we wanted. Mm-hmm. Didn't go that way, right? KP never comes back. We do the trade. We get no one in free agency. We basically hit reset and start again. Yeah. Last year with yeah. Fizz, it's the same. It, it's, it started with the same thing. It's like, okay, year two Fizz. Now you got um, RJ, who potentially could be a star. You know, we got uh, Iggy in the draft. He looks like he could be a good player. Knox year two. Mitch is going to get better. Frank is going to get better. All we got to do is take a step forward and yeah. then we're good. Four and 18 exactly. blows up in our face, right? So again, honestly, it feels like the Groundhog Day because this is a third year of basically all the Knicks needing to do is take that step. Get we got to win. Like, it's not an 82-game season. So I, uh, the prediction's a little bit off, but oh, yeah, yeah. in an 82-game season, to give you an example, the Knicks got to win, like, 33 games. <laughs> if the Knicks' young kids win 33 games... Oh, then we get a free agent. They get It'll a free be easier. Agent. It'll be easier. It'll be easier to do a trade, because the team is so young, right? Mm-hmm. You guys talk about the young core, man. RJ. Look at this. RJ. I'm going to talk about the real core, guys. To me, DSJ and Frank right now, they're kind of on the... We don't know. Yeah. So for me, it's like, yeah. RJ, Mitch, IQ... Knox and Toppin. That's right. five young guys who are we under contract. That. We haven't had that in a while. And that's is that a starting five? They actually list it's it's literally a starting five. It possibly okay. could be. Every if position everybody really lives up to their role, possibly, that could right? possibly be a starting five for us. Right. Next year, you you have two first round picks in a crazy deep draft. So you're talking about maybe seven guys now that are all like under 23. That are under contract, right? So the like the Knicks don't even need that much. Like most teams with a young core got like three guys. So that's why I could see even a team being aggressive and maybe making an interesting trade and picking specifically four young guys to work with and being like we're gonna work with the others. But for the franchise, right? We've been talking for years that we're in a good position. Even though Phil and Mills had made mistakes, they didn't screw up the long term future. Thank God, mm-hmm. right? They didn't yeah. take and Mills was about yeah, to do, Mills right. had, Mills was about to touch that button. And they had to grab it from. I'm like, we're still in this position with all these assets, right? So many picks coming forward, so many young players, easily tradable contracts. That this aggressive front office, which I think they are, all they need to do is see on the court some progress from a couple guys, mm-hmm. and then you bundle the ones who aren't there and ship them and get, out. Get get big things for it. So I think this year could be that year. This year three of us saying it again, but I do. I'll say with Tibbs. And the front office we have now, I feel like it's just a much smarter and better version of what we've been thinking we we're going to do the past two years. Which is so wild. I want to see it happen. Oh, and I'm going to add to this list: raising the value of Julius Randle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we if we get some, some if we get Julius Randle playing winning basketball on the team, able to raise his value because he, he averaged damn near 2010 last season, and nobody wants him. 
No one cares. 2010 <laughs> is out, man. I see people on Twitter saying 2010. I'm like, this is 2020. <laughs> the 2010, yeah. no, we'll talk. The 2010 Bars. thing does not matter anymore. Look at Bam Adebayo, right? Bam Adebayo was like, what was he, 15 and 10, right? Mm-hmm. Bam Adebayo yeah. was at least quadruple the player Julius Randle was. The 20, yeah. listen, the NBA changed so much. Just getting, rebounds are so easy now too with the threes people yeah. are checking. The you twenty to fight for the 10. <laughs> yeah, 2010 used to, you don't have to fight for it. 2010 used to mean, yo, my guy got 2010. He's he's in the trenches. He's doing this. 2010 today does not matter. You got to look at more things. Mm-hmm. I'm at it by you giving you 15, 10, 5 in elite defense. Yeah. And really to stretch mm-hmm. the floor. It's way more valuable. Mm-hmm. So for Julius, right, you're bringing him up. I'm hoping that he has that kind of year. And I think you saw, right, that last game. Shout out to Alex Collins, who tweeted it. He said, Julius had, like, uh, I can't remember how many points he had, but he didn't have that many points or rebounds. We had the best game he's had as a name. Only six shots. Only six shots. Only six shots. So I think you're talking about selling him to a contender. I think a contender needs to see Julius being that guy, mm-hmm. right? Being a guy who could be a, maybe a six man off the bench, big, who's going to pass, know his role, do some right, do some good things. That's how you get him traded. That's a much better player than 20 and 10 Randall last yeah. year that was forcing everything. The game changed, yeah. man. I, I, the 2010 thing I keep hearing, I'm like, yo, listen, I get it. I'm from the 2010 era. Yeah, but was Zach yeah. Randolph was a 2010 guy. Like, Ooh, Zach's killing David Lee. The game changed. Yeah. 2010 All-Star. Yeah. Listen, the game changed, man. You know what you want now? You want you want, you want want over 15, Yeah. right? You may want the 10, but you want like 7, 8, 9. Yeah. You want some assists. You want some rebounds. All around game. Three-point shooting. You want to be able to switch. Yeah, defender. it's a different game. Different game. Yeah. Different game, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was my 2010 round. I had to, I had to get that out. I had to get that out. 2010 <laughs> is 2010 is dead in 2020. Holy there you go. Yes. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's just not the same. Yeah. Obviously, some guys out here doing 20 and 10 still. But I bet you those guys that are doing that that are celebrated are doing way more. I get. It. I feel you. Yeah, I definitely feel you. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, should they don't they don't even box out anymore? So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh Zach, gotta come back and teach him. Come on, Zach. Oh man, yeah. TCU, <laughs> TCU, them. All right, all right, cool. Pretty comfortable, guy. Uh, we talked about everybody. We talked about RJ. We talked about Mitch. Uh, you know what? I think it's time to let's, let's, get, let's get this popping. Next segment of the show. Now, it is time for the favorite part of the show. Oh. The ooh picks. Ooh. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to Young and Me. <laughs> <laughs> Who picks are best plays of the week? Uh, we have we have basketball right now because before we were just doing life ooze, but now we actually have basketball. So it's the best plays of the week. Uh, who wants to start it off, guys? I'll, I'll let Terry go first. He's the guest. All right, guess first. All right, all right. So this play is not necessarily the best play of the week. We had a lot of exciting exciting basketball last week from the Knicks. Who would have thought? But. I like this play for what it what it represents, hopefully, for us mm, going forward. <laughs> Symbolism. That's what I'm talking about. IQ gets a start. I can't remember if it was his first bucket or his second bucket. But in the last game of preseason, gets a screen from Randall, comes into the paint, hop step into a little floater, got fouled, hit the free throw, of course. But he immediately, you know, he gets a start. And we're wondering, let's see what he does. He's going to try to take it. He shows you in the first two, three minutes that I want to be the point guard. It's my job. I got it. And we were waiting for point guards to take it for so long. Mm. I don't think, you know, we were waiting for someone to just be like, yo, this is mine. And all these years, you know, it's been this floating thing. IQ steps in, 
gets that to go. His Florida game looks good. He looks good. The Knicks look good. That's my Ooh pick for the week. That's a solid, solid Ooh pick right there. I think that's the play where um, he comes down the court. They kind of pressure him, give him light full court pressure. It goes to the right side. Yeah, the screen comes back around to the middle, and it does like a little floater, and he gets hit in the back a little bit. I think I think it was Garland for the end one. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. He, he showed poise, right? Like yes. you said, getting as a point guard, you don't know if he can handle it. He was patient, took mm-hmm. the screen, finished, got fouled. Be a point guards getting fouled, mm-hmm. hit a jump shot. What hitting floaters? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Got floater material. Come on. Oh. <laughs> All right. Nice ooh pick, Terry. Yes, right. sir. Thank you. What you got, brother? So I got two ooh picks. Okay. All right. I know last year, if you were watching the show, or I should say last season, I've, I got on Julius Randle a lot, called him No Handle Randle, etc. No Handle Randle. <laughs> but this but this ooh pick session is going to be Julius Randle love. <gasps> okay. The nice. first ooh pick was against the Cavs. In the second quarter, Julius Randle was doing something that he rarely did last season, which was playing defense. <laughs> Thon Maker had the ball near the top near the top of the key. Julius Randle strips him, mm. clean, gets the ball, dribbles down the court, no no one else around, and finishes with the slam. Oh, that's the first OOP. Okay. Now the second ooh pick again. No handle Randall actually showed some handle for once. Mm. So my guy was playing the point forward. He was bringing the ball up the court. Oh, I think I know this play. Yes, he was bringing the ball up the court. First guy was Osmond. Went behind the back. Yeah. yeah. Got him. Got him. The second guy, Sexton came to Sexton came to try to strip him. Nope. Got him too. Ooh. He drove it to the lane. Instead of doing his usual spin move, he was about to do it, but he was like, oh, no, that's quickly. <laughs> no, Let me pass no, the ball out to no. quickly. Quickly gets the ball at the wing, takes the three, splash. Oh. That was actually nice. Yes, when it was. When I saw was. the replay, I couldn't believe it. Word. <laughs> I can't believe he didn't get stripped. I couldn't believe he didn't fall. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually after he does his little handles, he falls and trips. And, but no. With, with, with Julius last year, it's like every additional dribble move led to something crazier happening. Yeah. So you, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Now it's like it built up. But that time, you're right. Perfect play. Yeah. Uh, love it. All right. Everybody watching, please don't hit the dislike button because... We gave Julius Randle props, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now it's time for the other favorite part of the show. Oh. Wait. Bruh. The bruh picks. Bruh picks are the worst plays of the week, or they just be light bruhs, too. They don't have to actually be basketball. I already know Ryan got some. But, oh, yeah. You know, if it. If our guest has one, you can have you can take one. Let, let Ryan kick it off. I, I think I got something, but let me let me hear Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Ryan tweeted his. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my first bro pick goes to DSJ. Like Surprise. I've said, I've given DSJ his props. He has played better defense, which I am proud of. Show more activity on defense, etc. I thought I thought offense was supposed to be his forte. 
But clearly it wasn't in game three against the Cavs because at the end of the first quarter, my guy had a ball in his hand. You thought magic was about to happen because that's this is what <laughs> DSJ do. He breaks down the defense. He gets to the basket. He makes the play. This is what we does? thought DSJ was supposed to come into the NBA and do. So he takes this guy on one-on-one. Dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. All of a sudden, loses his loses his handle. Falls to the ground. Reaches for the ball. Can't reach it. <laughs> the Cavs get the ball. Run the fast break. And it ends up being a dunk on the other end before the quarter ends. Bruh. Pass the ball, DSJ. Pass the... the oh, my gosh. The funny part is he had the gumption to wave off Julius Randle because I remember correctly. I think Julius was calling for the ball, and it was kind of like an Inception or something. It was like Julius just felt Julius knew what it felt like to be waved off for once, which is and then, <laughs> like Julius. This is what it feels like to be RJ to to watch somebody wave you off and then do something stupid. <laughs> I, I got one. I got one. I got one. Okay. Yeah, Ryan got us warmed up. I got yeah, one. I, I got one more. One more, bro. Oh, one yeah. More bro. Hit, hit it. Hit it. My next bro goes to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you are a savage, man. <laughs> You're a savage. He's not even on the team. He got cut. Being waved by the Knicks only because that clown from IG who was trying to go at me saying that he has more potential than Frank and just to see Michael Kidd Gilchrist get cut and I proved right it just made me happy so (laughs) yo you petty I love it I love it yo Ryan has dreams about every bad YouTube comment he's ever read (laughs) (laughs) he's got like a a flow chart at home he got names everything tagged he's crossing off names exactly remember 2016 remember 2016 when you said this (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Ignis Ignis is still a team I thought there was a chance he might get cut he made it he made it yeah he made it RJ's boy still on the team Shout out to Ignis, man. Listen, it's smart to get close to people. I'm telling you, I see Frank talking to RJ. I'm like, Frank trying to make sure he stays. Mm -hmm. Iggy Iggy knows he's in the pocket, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, look, LeBron keeps bringing his guys everywhere. So I'm saying there's some value in it. Friends around. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. Go ahead, Terry. Show what you got. So, So here's my pick. Alfred Payton shooting. <laughs> oh, I can't believe no. I forgot this one. Bruh. Oh, man. Bruh. Bruh, indeed. And here's my issue with it. I think Alfred's a cool guy. This He gets so much slander that he doesn't really deserve it just because of the situation we're in and where we need to be as a franchise. Because mm-hmm. him on another team where there's a lot of shooting, he's just a backup point. Be People, great. you like him a lot more. So, shout out to Alfred for dealing with that and still being a good professional. He's always cheering the young guys on. Love it. But, bro, bruh, <laughs> it's like year six or seven, right? Now, we rag on, like, Frank and his shooting and DSG and his shooting. Alfred's game is so much, like, it's, it's a lot more complete in the sense that, like, he can he, he can run he can run point. Yeah. It's not good. It's not perfect for the modern NBA. He's really like a 2006 point guard. Mm-hmm. But he can run point, and if Randall's not there, I genuinely think he's going to do some smart things, get to the rim, 
lay it up. He had a poster dunk, a kind of poster dunk in the first preseason game. So Evan is not like the worst. Like he can do some no, solid things, not. right? Yeah. So to me, I'm like, the only thing you can't do is shoot really like like well, relatively speaking, you just can't shoot. Frank and DSJ have so much more to work on. I'm like, you're already a solid guy in the NBA that teams trust enough to keep trading for you or keep getting you or keep signing you. You're on your third or four, third contract, maybe. So, like, you have some value in the league. You just miss this one glaring thing. Your jumpers are all wide open. This is, like, even DSJ and Frank take more complicated jumpers than Alfred. All of Alfred's jumpers are literally set shots with no one within a mile of him. Oh, my yeah. God. You, you gotta be able to knock down some of these. Man. It's not even like we need anything good. It's like that game, it's a preseason game against the Cavs. If there's any point where you got to go off and look like you learned to shoot, it's a preseason game against the G League Cavs. And he's line driving. Yeah. It looked like, it looked like he just started playing basketball in terms of shooting. Well, it's crazy. Man, let me tell you this. The only three-pointer he's made in preseason is the one that didn't count. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, all right, guys. That is our show. We talked about everything we could talk about. Um, so yeah, we're just wrapping up, man. Thanks for listening, man. Where can they find you, Terry? Plug all your stuff. Plug all your stuff. All right. So on Twitter, I'm crazy active on Twitter. I'm like tweeting every yeah. ten minutes. I'm back. Yeah. Uh, Nyk Terry and Trey. I don't tweet garbage though. I try to make sure my tweets got substance. But I tweet during the game so we can celebrate together, cry together, all that yes. good stuff. But me and my mom, we're on YouTube. We're dropping videos all the time now, ready for the season to start. Usually, mm-hmm. we got season tickets, which is a big part of what we do. We don't this year, clearly. No one's going to games. But I saw right. I saw a tweet that I got to bring up. A little bit off topic, but someone said, while IQ was going ham, they said, yo, do you think they'll let us back in for the Eastern Conference Finals? <laughs> I, say, I love it. Listen, that's the one thing about being a Nick fan. You know, I'm glad to be back talking to everyone. The the the, the joy, the craziness, it, it's yeah, the man. best fans in the world. And we try to bring that out on our channel and on Twitter. So definitely follow us. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been it's been yeah, so much man. fun. For sure, for sure. I mean, listen, man, we already won their Eastern Conference preseason championship, right? Yeah. <laughs> true that, true that. <laughs> So why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> All right. Oh man. So uh, yeah, so you can find us too. You can find us at the KOT show on Twitter. I'm sort of active. I go between being stupid and tweeting something meaningful every other day. It, it varies. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram as well on the Nick of Time Show. Also find our blog. Check out check out the writers at nicktimeshow.com. Also find us on Facebook too. Nick Time Show. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram on JLS Draws Things if you want to follow me. I hardly post anymore. I'll, t- I'll post for like three days and then you won't see me for a week. And then I'll post for three days and you won't see me for two weeks. But if you want to, find me there too. JLS Draws Things. All right. Hey, where can they find you, Ryan? You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is Chillin'. Sir G is Chillin'. That is S I R. G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. And of course, you know, follow me on I follow me on Instagram because from time to time I will have those overreacting Knicks videos that yes. y'all like. So mm-hmm. follow me just for that. Yeah, hold hold it down. I used to do those on IG all the time, but it's been hard to, to juggle that plus the, the post game. So my man Ryan G's gotta hold it down and overreact for me on IG, hey, right? Hey, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm holding it down, holding it down for the podcast. For Let's the go. All right. That's our show.
Thanks, Terry, for coming through with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. We out of here. Peace. Peace, guys. Peace and love out to where you're from. But all of all, all they have to come. Say I did. Bright lights, big city. Bright lights, big city. I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to do. Represent for my New York City crew. Say I did. Bright lights, big city. Bright lights, big city. New York, New York, big city, your dreams. Dreams. In, 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 in